Hi, welcome to the Elevate Your Running podcast. My name is Sarah. I live in Boulder, Colorado, and I am a certified running coach. I founded my coaching practice, Elevate Your Running, during the pandemic. I've been running for nearly 20 years, and I bring my real-life training, experiences, and coaching knowledge to the podcast each week to help elevate your training, your mind, and your life. I'm a six-time Boston qualifying marathoner. My favorite race distance is the half marathon, and every now and again, you'll hear my Black Lab Kenzie chiming into the episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm happy you're here. It's 2024. It's the year of you elevated. If your 2024 running goals are to run consistent, to find strength, uncover faster paces, or discover more about yourself, the Elevate training plans are here for you. Elevate Your Running beginner and intermediate easy-to-download training plans are now available in the base, 5K, 10K, half, and marathon distances on elevateyourrunning.com. These plans are constructed with the Elevate coaching philosophy and the proven workouts athletes have ran to achieve results while running strong, happy, and confident. Each plan contains a downloadable run terminology guide, nutrition, and fueling guide suggested strength training exercises via the Elevate Your Running YouTube channel and a race day planner sheet. It's the pro coaching you want for less than a 12 pack of your favorite running gels. You can find your next training plan at elevateyourrunning.com. Hello and welcome to episode 110. My name is Sarah and I am the host of the Elevate Your Running podcast. I'm here today to talk about how do you take a hill and how does hill running translate into life? I'm really excited about this episode. I had an idea on where I wanted this episode to go when I started putting together the outline late last week. And it kind of took a different direction um, over the course of the last few days and this morning when I was finalizing the agenda. So I'm really excited about it. I hope this episode lands for each one of you. And it's going to land in a different way because it is about training and run training, but it's also about life and how we take hills in life. So my suggestion is definitely listen to this episode once over um, and maybe take some time to think about it and to really assess where you are um, and what you want to create and what do you want to do? And um, maybe it's worth having a second listen after you journal some thoughts and take some things down. So absolutely so excited about this. But have you shown up to training in life feeling drained or maybe you're more tired than usual? Are you curious to know what nutrients and vitamins you're lacking and how the right combinations can set you up for success, not just in training, but also how you feel, which is a huge part of being a human, right? Data helps us objectively collect, helps us objectively measure progress and constantly refine and optimize ourselves. Yahoo! So Inside Tracker will elevate you from the inside while this podcast and your training will elevate you from the outside. You can use code SARAHMPRO25 for 25% off your entire order at InsideTracker.com. And that is SARAHMPRO25. S-A-R-A-M Pro 2-5. So I'm really excited about Inside Tracker and I definitely want to, I've had tests in the past. I've had quite a few tests in the past and I'm really excited um, to hopefully get tested again here soon. 
and just kind of see where I'm at on all ways, shapes, and forms because um, my training is definitely different than it was 18 months ago, two years ago, when I was uh, primarily taking these tests. And I'd love to see not only how my data has changed, but how I've evolved as an athlete. And then what's also really cool is that they add in this inner age and you can see like what is the inner age of your body. And I feel like if you're trending lower than like your human age, you are a thousand percent winning at life. So cheers to that. Um, this week's elevated moment comes from Hillary and Hillary is a good friend and I hope she's listening to this episode. I shared with her what I was planning to talk about this week and she's really excited. So, um, her elevated moment in a way that maybe she didn't necessarily say was her elevated moment, but being her friend and also being um, her coach from time to time, I've seen that she has been getting outside of her comfort zone. And last week she went to a group run. It was in Boulder. For anyone who goes to group runs or maybe you're new to a group run or you know you live in Boulder or even just Colorado in general, the, the group runs can be very intimidating because people are hardcore, which is so not like the way of the Elevate group run. I really like a more relaxed, let's just have fun, let's run easy sort of vibe. But there are a lot of group runs, particularly in Boulder, that are not like that. And she stepped outside her comfort zone. She went to a group run. It was already like it was at night, so it was, it was getting dark. And she ran four consecutive miles, which is a huge win for her. She's coming back from taking some time away from the sport. And I think in some ways we can all kind of align with that, whether we decide to take that time off or if life or our body tells us to take that time off. So she met a bunch of new people and she created a bunch of fun in the process because I made this like tie-dye event afterwards and it looked like so much fun. So it was a huge, huge, huge win for her. And I'm a big believer that like anytime we get outside of our comfort zone, we make really big progress and it might not feel like we're making progress in the moment, right? Um, I think a lot of times we get so blinded on where we are and where we want to go that we don't take a moment to really recognize the small wins, the big wins, and then seeing how far we've come along the way, which leads me to my elevated moment and also leads to the podcast topic for today. So I was thinking a lot about what I wanted to share today and, you know, training's going fine. It's like pretty like average. There's not like you know, it doesn't feel like I'm like absolutely crushing it right now, but it doesn't feel like I'm like not getting it done either. I'm just like getting it done. And, um, and sometimes that's a great place to be. I've been, um, doing something a little bit different in my training over the last few weeks I've had, um, and I do not recommend this for anyone who is self-coached. This is something that is like very intense and, um, I'm having a hard time with it. So like anyone who hasn't built years and years and years of running base uh, should not do this. Um, but I've had like these long tempo workouts and the next day I've had a long, long run. And then the third day I've had a medium run and it's been a lot. And um, today I just finished a 10 mile run. It's on, I'm recording on Monday and 
I was thinking about it on the run of like, okay, like this is the second time you've gone through this in this cycle. This is a new way to stress your body. Um, it's a great way to show up and to be a little bit different and to run on tired legs and like really channel the last like few miles of the marathon or the last few miles of the race on tired legs. Cause I have got to tell you the second time through. So I did this two, I guess it was two weeks ago. Um, and last week was set up a little bit different. Um, I have very, very, very tired legs by like, oh, maybe like mile six or seven into that third day. So I have maybe about a 5K to go on just like lead for legs. Like so tired, so heavy. I just want it to be over with. And instead of getting all negative Nancy about the situation, I really thought about like, this is so similar in some ways to like when I started marathon training with my current coach and we really wanted to practice training on tired legs and she would produce a lot of marathon pace workouts after a long run just to practice like a 5k of marathon pace on really, really tired legs. And now I'm seeing it start to shift and mold into something else of like, okay, like I've proven that I can do that. And that's like not actually stressing anymore. So now we need to figure out a new way to stress. And I got to tell you, this new way is totally stressing. She has absolutely like figured it out. And, but what I love so much about it is that like every time, you know, you could be running for years and years and years and years. You could be training with a coach for years. You could be training with a coach for a season. You may never train with a coach, right? But something that I so love about running is that there's always a way to like find a way to get you outside of your comfort zone, right? There's always a way. And I really felt like maybe we hit like, we kind of hit the ceiling after CIM. I thought, I don't know, like what else can we do to kind of make this tough for me? outside of like, not saying it's not tough, but it's been easier than like, you know, my first marathon prep cycle or my first year of coaching or my first year of being coached. Right. And there's something so important about that fatigue resistance and, and creating that fatigue and running on tired legs. So I just loved this, uh, this whole like three day stint so much. I'm so glad it's over at the same time. And it made me think about, um, particularly today in my last 5K, where I was just like, oh my gosh, I was taking it literally quarter mile by quarter mile. And I thought about how it was very, very similar to my first marathon training prep. You know, that day after the long run when you're running and you're just like, whoa, <laughs> my legs are tired, right? Or maybe it's after like, a really hard workout. You get that. Um, so I thought that was so cool because I thought, wow, like my first marathon prep was in 2019 and now we are here in 2024. It's been four and a half years and I get to relive these same feelings in a very different way. And I think that's so cool. And it's such a good testament to how training gets to evolve with us as athletes and also how we get to continue to still make it tough. So our body is continuously trying to figure out how to make it work. We stress that body and then we rest. Thankfully, tomorrow is a rest day. We shifted it this week, which is great. And 
your body gets to grow and adapt during that rest and recovery phase. And then hopefully, you know, I show up to my workout on Wednesday morning, feeling a little bit fresher, have a little bit more pep in my step out. Like we are looking to hopefully just have a very, very strong workout on Wednesday. Um, so cheers to that, right? I think it's so cool. The evolution of an athlete, of a runner, how far you can come in little, in a small amount of time, how far, when you look back and think about your very first run, your very first marathon training cycle, where you were in the last training cycle, where you are now and see that growth and know that even if you are going through a tough time, there's still growth happening. But the growth is happening in a way that is different than what you're expecting, and it's probably and you're probably resisting it a bit because it feels uncomfortable. Which leads me to the topic of today's episode. <laughs> how do you take a hill? Right? So how do you run a hill? Think about this in terms of training before we get into life. How do you run a hill? If you're running, you're jogging along, and you're on a flat path, and all of a sudden you look up ahead and there's a hill in front of you. How do you take that hill? Do you slow down when you start to take that hill? Do you start to get nervous when you see the hill and it's from the distance? Do you speed up the hill in hopes to just absolutely crush it and then like teeter out like three-fourths of the way up the hill, right? Do you practice like powering up the hill in like a smooth and confident way and consistent way? There are so many ways to take running a hill in training. And I'm a big believer that how we do one thing is how we do everything, right? And how we take a hill in training, I think and know that it definitely translates to how we show up in life when things get tough or when the universe puts something in our way that we're not expecting, right? Tough seasons, tough situations. Um, we're going to go through all of that. So and I see hill running as one of those things that are considered a more like a tough thing to overcome. And I think most of us will agree. Not all of us will agree with that. I know some phenomenal runners who will take tempo on a, on a hilly circuit in Boulder because like they're unfazed by it. Um, and then there's me who's like, I need the flattest course possible for this tempo. I do not want a hill. And I'm going to talk all about that. And I'm going to share some, some of my own personal things as we go through this episode. But I think it's really interesting. Like, how do you view hills? Right. And how do you kind of interpret them? What is the story you're already creating in your mind before you get to that hill or before you get to that season in life? Right. So I feel like, you know, in training, we have a lot of people training for hilly races right now. So I think this is going to be really important. I know that, you know, when we're training in life and we're running around the neighborhood, we're running around, say, Colorado. I know we have a lot of Colorado listeners. I also know we have a lot of Texas and Floridians listening. So Texans and Floridians. So I know that this is going to be a little bit different for you because you have zero hills where you live. But I'm also going to share some ways to incorporate hills into your training that you might not think about and um, different places that you can do it. But I feel like, too, when we get into the life side of all of this, we are in a ton, everyone. We are in a ton. I coach a lot of one-on-one -on -one athletes. I coach a really phenomenal group in Denver this season. The energy that that group gives me is 
absolute life right now. Absolute life. Every Wednesday I drive to Denver and I'm exhausted because it's just Wednesday and it's kind of just the way my day is built and scheduled. Um, and there's not a whole lot I can do about it. So I just have to flow through it. And every single week, as soon as I see the first person who shows up, it's just like magic. And it's just like, oh, this group is so great. So I absolutely love this season. And um, we actually just got through a hill section, so that's great, a hill block. Um, but people are in uh, – uh, people are going through a lot right now. So my point is, is I talk to a lot of people, I see a lot of people, I coach a lot of people. I'm working with not just training emotions but life emotions the life stress that comes into training, trying to pivot and shift as we need to. And there is a lot going on right now. Obviously, the last few years, we had the pandemic, right? So that was a huge, 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 hopefully once in a lifetime thing that we never have to experience again. There are people going through midlife crises. There are people um, going through quarter life crises, wanting to switch their careers, right? Not feeling that fulfillment, really needing more connection. I think winter has been a huge strain, at least on the Colorado athletes. I was talking to a good friend, Marilee, over the weekend. We got to celebrate her and her soon, uh, or well, I guess it is her baby, but the baby's not born yet at a baby shower. And we were talking about how like we just had to laugh because last winter we were training for the Boston Marathon together. And this was in Boulder. She was come, coming up every single weekend to run with me. And we would like figure out, we were running together, but we would figure out like based on what our workouts were, like, um, you know, when we should start together and when we can meet up and all that kind of stuff. It was awesome. But we just had a good laugh because Colorado's been getting snow like every Friday night, Saturday, Sunday this winter or so it feels like since the beginning of the year. And that is putting a lot of pressure on those athletes who are training for a spring race and trying to get that long run done. And a lot of people are running inside. A lot of people are shifting to time on feet. A lot of people can't get the quality in, right? And then the during the week, it's been mild enough and clear enough to run outside. And we just had a good chuckle because last year, it was the complete opposite where we were running inside most of the week. And then our first run was typically that like Saturday long run outside. Um, but we also dealt with a lot of wind last year too. So it wasn't great. I feel like last year's winter really broke down a lot of Colorado athletes. And I think this winter it hasn't been super great. So for anyone who is heavy into training for both of those winters is probably at their wits end with it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm definitely one of them. I'm running the same mileage I was running last winter and it's tough, right? We're in the, we're in the tail end of February. I think it's, wherever you live, right? It, let's say you live in the Midwest or you're living, I know, the the Northeast and the East side of the country got a huge snowstorm too over the weekend. Um, the South could just be unseasonably warm. It's like, oh gosh, we're just so close to having more of that spring-like temperatures. And I keep telling to myself, like, 
we're just one day closer to spring. We're one day closer to spring and just trying to like flow through it and also knowing like when it gets to be summer, it's going to be hot and then we're going to be complaining about that. So we should just like as best as we can, like be grateful for what we have and make it work. Um, But I also know that the motivation, the winter running is weighing on quite a few people right now. Um, and I, I'm seeing it. It's like, once you see it once you see it everywhere and it just feels like it's everywhere right now. So, um, I think it's, it's all okay. Right. And it's all going to be relative. It's all going to be relative. The season of life that you're in, what you might define as difficult and tough could be a walk in a park for someone else or vice versa. Right. So, what do you, you know, what someone may consider to be like a tiny bump in a race or in a route could be a very large hill for you. And that's okay. Cause that's just you. It's where you're at. It's, there's only so much you can take right with that. So, um, I absolutely love that. So the type of hill matters. We're going to talk about that. Um, long and steep, slight and rolling, right? Long and steep could be Boston E. <laughs> slight rolling Chicago marathon. And I say rolling. It's just basically when you run over, um, the bridges in Chicago, but what I loved so much about after the Chicago marathon last year is I was very, uh, I shared a lot about the Chicago marathon last year. It is the best race. It is the best race weekend. In my opinion, <laughs> um, there are quite a few athletes I get to coach this year already for Chicago. So I'm very excited about that. There's some, there's just like really great electric energy with Chicago. I feel like if you are an athlete who's struggling to, for consistency and struggling to have joy and happiness in your life, figure out a way to run the Chicago marathon. And I think it'll all like come together. It's just so great. And one of the athletes who ran it last year, he said to me afterwards, he's like, oh, coach Sarah, those hills were tough. I'm like, what hills are you talking about? And he's like, you know, the ones over the bridge. And it might be like a 10-foot incline, right? Or maybe a 5-foot incline. But it all depends on where you are in life or where you are in the race, right? To me, the year before, I was flying through that. That, like, that was like no big deal, right? But I also train on hillier terrain. Someone showing up to the Chicago Marathon and having a tough day like this athlete had, you notice every little hill, everything, right? You could have punchy hills like CIM, very short and steep, and then it flattens out. But if you're having a tough day, even that flat portion of the race is going to feel like you're climbing uphill. It's something I still think about. That last, like, second half of the race, I'm like, wow, that felt so hard. And I just kept telling myself, you're running flat. You're running flat. You're not, like, this is not uphill. And it just continued to get harder and harder and harder. Right? So it all depends on where you're at. So let's get into the literal sense of how do you take a hill? Literally. Like, how are you running a hill? So... With hilly and rolling, you know, hills coming up or races that are hilly or rolling hills, right? We have the Boston Marathon. We have Grandma's. Those are two big rolling hill races. Mountains to Beach has a two-mile climb, but then it's all downhill. And I think how you take the downhill, we're going to talk about that too, is also very important. So, um 
those are just some ones off top of mind that are coming up. Of course, you have like the CIM in December as well. Um, but how you take a hill in training is just as important as how you take it in life. And it's also just as important as all of the other work that you're putting into the training cycle, right? All the other miles you're logging, all the strength work, your dedication to strength, the consistency, the nutrition, the sleep, all of it, right? We always get to up-level each, each way, each training cycle, each season. My coach just figured out a way to really up-level my training. And not in a, we're making a lot of fitness today, but we're working on something that's going to pay dividends in the fall, right? And I love that. So first and foremost, hill training and running hills is one of the best ways to add strength and power to your running and to your body without taking on all the risk associated with a speed workout. So if you're on a track and you're running fast, 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 and maybe you're running threshold or maybe you're running 5K pace or maybe you're running mile pace in these short, small intervals, that is a lot of stress. And hills kind of pay the same dividends out as speed work, but in a but with a much lower risk associated with it. So it could be like the bond of, now I'm getting into my finance background, but it could be like the bond that you buy versus like buying a style of like volatile stock, right? Um, which it could be speed work, depending on how you structure it, how fast you're running, what type of recovery you're taking on during the, the session and also after for real recovery, right? So it adds a lot of strength, it adds a lot of power, and it doesn't add a lot of risk. So in my mind, it's like check, 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 right? That is awesome. Um, and it also gets to work on some of the running fundamentals that are so important to showing up and running your best race and just showing up to training strong and feeling good. And that's going to be running form. So you want to have a 90 degree bend in your elbow before you start, relax your hands. Um, and then you want to pull yourself up the hill, right? So you ease into the hill effort and you have that nice forward lean, you're engaging your core, you're driving your knees high. And I think it's really important to know it's really important to not only stay more on like the toes and the ball of your foot, but also making sure that you're projecting up and that you're really having that forward momentum on that hill versus sitting back or sitting upright, because that's not going to help you run as strong and as fast as you can. It's only going to create a resistance that isn't going to help you feel good. It's not going to help your pace and it's certainly not helping your running form, right? You also want to have this like look up the hill to where you're going versus your head being down by your feet, right? Looking down can be very tempting because you can avoid the discomfort that way, right? But if you look ahead and if you're running hill repeats, I highly suggest that after your first hill repeat, you take note of where you stopped. Did you stop by a mailbox? Did you stop by a car? Did you stop by a house? Where did you stop? And that is the, the, the point of where you have to get or you get to go to with each hill repeat to really show up 
and give it your all, right? Because the first rep should be the easiest and you progress and you can either hold effort or get a little bit faster or increase your effort, right? So if you can keep your eyes up and looking at where you're going, it's going to help to with your running form and to get you to that place to go. It's also going to be like positive energy in the body versus like when your head's down, you're not engaged, you're not making eye contact. There's a lot of negative energy associated with that or just like not very like confident energy, right? You want to have a slightly shorter stride. This is going to increase your cadence. If you can drive your arms, it's going to help move the legs, which is going to increase your cadence, which is also going to help just with leg turnover, which is a huge piece to just running strong too, whether you're running an uphill or a downhill race. I love to think about pulling yourself up the hill, like you're driving your arms, you're driving your knees, you're really moving the arms. Whether you're on a hill or not, I'll just say if you can really drive a strong, have a really strong arm drive, and I'm talking strong, like that elbow is driving back and it is pumping up and you're keeping your arms more uh, front to back than side to side, it will help you run faster. If you get into, let's say you have a workout this week where you're just feeling a little eh, little dull, little whatever, pump those arms. It helps. I had a teammate's husband yell this to me in like the last, like it had to have been like the last quarter mile of a 5k last summer. He's like, pump the arms, pump the arms. Like, and it really did help make the legs just turn over a little bit faster. Your cadence is a little bit higher, which means you're taking more steps per minute. And ultimately the higher the cadence, the more efficient you are with running. You may have noticed that your cadence um, is higher when you race or when you're in certain intervals on the track. And that is correct. It should be higher, right? My racing cadence is anywhere, depending on how I feel, like 190 on like, you know, a not great day up to like 210 when I'm racing a really fast, strong race, right? The legs are just turning over, over, over. Fast feet is what you want to think. Fast feet, fast feet, fast feet, right? When we're doing our easy runs, our cadence, number of steps that we take per minute, the average cadence is 170, right? But that's also going to depend on how, what your pace is for your easy run. So if you're running slower than 10 minute mile pace, your cadence is going to be a little bit under 170, right? It could be when I've seen 162, which I'm happy with 164, it could be 165. I wouldn't take anything under 160 if you're between 10, 11 minute mile pace on your easy days. If you're under that, and you're running nine minute mile pace or nine thirties or eights or whatever, there's your, your foot is essentially just like crashing down on the ground and then bouncing back up. If you're watching the video, I just had this great, like I'm using my hands a lot in this episode. <laughs> so, um, if you're watching on Spotify, you're welcome, <laughs> but your foot just crashes to the ground and then it pops up which takes a lot of energy and it slows you down. But if you can keep your foot up 
So you're either, you're not really running on your toes, but you're running more on the ball of your foot. You're able to spring and keep the fast feet momentum, which is a great place to be, right? Pacing on a hill. Woo! It's easy to think I'm just going to run hard up this thing and get it over with as soon as possible, right? How many of us have been there? You have hill repeats, right? Longer hills. I've had some athletes that I'm coaching for Boston run like three-minute hill repeats. You have, and I've done three-mile hill repeats. That takes a lot of focus and practice for pace because three minutes is a long time. <laughs> it's a very long time, right? Um, so the longer hills or having several shorter hills might feel harder to run, right? Over and over and over again. So we just get to slow down a little bit. We get to honor ourselves. We get to honor our body, check the heart rate. Don't redline on the hill. I never suggest like going out super hard and just seeing when you tank, right? Like progress into the hill, have a running start into the hill, really pace yourself well, check in with yourself, but also be honest about the pace. And it's not actually about pace. So when you run hills, it's all about effort and really be honest with the effort that you're giving. Is this marathon pace effort? Is this half? Is this 10K? Is this 5K effort? Or is it, is it slower than that? Am I not giving it my all because hills are uncomfortable and I don't like hills, right? There's so much good that can be focused on when running a hill that it can take and distract the mind if that's something that you need to do to get through it and to get over it, right? Do you have questions on how to schedule your 2024 racing season? Are you training for a race, but you don't know the right way to structure your peak weeks or your taper or your race morning or even your race progression? Do you have general run and training questions? Coaching consults with Coach Sarah are now available. These consults are 30 or 60 minutes of time dedicated just for you. This is training cycle and plan guidance, pre-race strategy, race debriefing, goal setting, and more. 2024 is the year of you elevated. Book now on calendly.com forward slash elevate your running. And I look forward to chatting with you soon. Now back to our episode. Let's talk about getting to the top of the hill. So you've paced yourself. You have great cadence. You have good running form. You've evaluated that, yes, that 10K effort was felt like 10K effort for the full 30 seconds or 45 seconds or a minute, right? So you get to the top of the hill. Maybe the hill gets really steep at the top of the hill. Or you start walking to get to the top of the hill. Maybe these are hills that are just in your easy run, like around town, like I find (laughs) in my my training runs. I have actually long inclines, not so many hill hills, but definitely a lot of just three-mile inclines that I run. Do you walk, right? Ultra runners are known for power walking, or they, they call it power hiking when they're racing, right? Because they can't take steep hills, but they can power hike, and that's amazing. It's more sustainable, and sometimes it can be faster than running, right? You have better running form, but what do you do when you're 
not an ultra runner. You're not running in the mountains and you're just seeing a hill in front of you on your training run. Slow down, work on your running form, progress into it, keep your eyes up, pump those arms, tell yourself you can do it, and crest the hill beautifully. And then you get the downhill, which should feel like a walk in a park. It should feel like a nice reward, right? The grade of the hill is going to make a huge difference on how it feels for all of us, right? If, you're, if you have a hill workout, you can choose a long incline. You could choose a punchy hill. You could choose the hill right outside of your house, <laughs> right? Whatever works for you, right? It's all based on what you're looking for and what's around you and what you're looking to achieve. If you are running something like a CIM, it's like short, punchy hills are the way to go. And in Boulder, that was very, very hard to find um, last year, right? But if you're training for Boston, those could be longer, less intense hills, like a two-minute hill, a two-and-a-half-minute hill a 90-second hill, something like that. There's this really awesome hill in South Boulder. It's where a lot of the – everyone does hill repeats there. And it's a long, long hill. It's like I think I can get up the hill in about a little over 90 seconds. So, like, elites are absolutely so much faster, right? And I'm probably running, like, 10K effort up this hill. But the pitch about three-fourths of the way up the hill changes. And it drastically feels like you just smashed yourself into a wall. <laughs> you have to, like, keep going. So you slow down, right? But the effort's the same. So keeping that seamless effort is huge. And so the grade of the hill is going to make a huge impact on how it feels. A lot of my Denver athletes really struggle with hill repeats and hill workouts because there aren't what I would consider great hills. Um... And I think it's taken a, a while for a lot of those athletes to find, like, a hill that I'm, like, satisfied in terms of elevation gain because I don't want to see five, five feet, you know, or seven feet. That, to me, is, like, not the same as something that's, like, 25 feet or 30 or 50 feet, depending on how long the hill repeat is, right? Let's say you don't have hills around you. So I'm talking to you, Denver people. <laughs> no, there's hills in Denver. You just have to find them. Florida, Texas, it's all about getting creative, right? So if you have a treadmill that's or access to a treadmill, that's going to be a great way to get in exactly what you need with hell repeats. And um, I have actually a lot of athletes training for Boston on a treadmill this season, which is a lot. It's a lot for them. It's a lot for me. It's, but it's also like so good that they have access to hills on demand, right? And so for all of those athletes, every hill repeat, <clears throat> every hill workout, every hill long run. So actually, it's like every long run. I not only give paces and how to adjust pace, but there's also where the treadmill's going. Is it at zero? Is it at two? Is it at three? 
if they have a treadmill that goes downhill, like a has a downhill setting, do we do some downhill running, right? Wow. That's like the best way if you don't have hills around you. If you don't have hills around you and you don't have access to a treadmill or you don't want to run on a treadmill, rule of thumb with the treadmill is like an average hill is at 6% grade. So if let's say you're following a plan and you don't exactly know where to set that treadmill, 6%. Can't go wrong with 6%. Boston isn't 6% hills. Boston is like two, three, three and a half, one hill at 4%. So it's training long, kind of longer incline versus punchy at 6%, which is more like CIM. Parking garages are great, but stay, stay safe. <laughs> Parking garages, right? That is like, that is a good hill, right? A stair climber is a great option if you don't have access to a treadmill, you don't want to run in a parking garage, and you live in a flat area, get on the stair climber. It's kind of the same. It's it's different, but it does work, and you could structure in a way where, let's say you have a hill repeat workout where it's 6 by 30 seconds, you could go hard for 30 seconds, recover for for 60 seconds, and then repeat, something like that. Bridges are great overpasses are great but again be careful because there's traffic and there's a lot of things to kind of be looking for you definitely want to stay safe and stay healthy right i think it's also important to know that when you take a hill in training and in life right it's going to feel hard it's going to feel tough it's not going to feel easy all the time and this is supernatural right altitude can play a factor in it the grade of the hill, the series of hills, how many do you have over and over and over again? There's this awesome street in Boulder. It's called 4th Street. It mimics Boston so well for like a mile. You start on the, on the north side and you run south, and it's like so great. I actually had some like PTSD, and I shouldn't joke about that, but the first time I ran on after my first Boston, I was like, oh, my gosh, this feels like the race. And then if you run south to north, it's like a totally different experience, right? How do you feel when you take the hill, right? Did you get enough sleep the night before? Did you fuel enough? Is it warm out? Is the sun on you? Is that a good thing? Is that a not so good thing? Are you running into headwinds? Do you have a tailwind, right? They can show up on our route whether we plan it or we don't plan it. And it's something that we typically can't avoid. It's there and we get to tackle it. It can be a love-hate relationship, right? But something we know is that we do need this in order to become a stronger athlete. And when I say we need this, we need hills. We need to train hills. We need to and get to feel strong. We get to feel capable. And we really get to take that hill in a consistent, smooth way. But every day is going to feel different. How much training stress you have. Every single hill I, wrote, I ran today felt like a big hill. <laughs> I actually did run a few hills because I took a different route today. Um, but it felt really tough, right? And then I had some long inclines at the end. You want to take in 
the view as you're running the hill, right? Take it in. Set your sights on where you're going. Take in what's going on around you. Crest that hill. So what does that mean? That means when you get to the top of the hill, run over smooth. Don't stop. Just continue on. Because as you run down the hill, you will recover. Your heart rate will recover. Your pace will recover. You will feel easier, right? And you get to enjoy the ride. Downhill running, so much fun. Now, I would never want to run a downhill race, but I know some people really love it. And some people really love downhill running, right? It can help with leg and feet turnover. So fast feet, right? Higher cadence, finding new paces that you wouldn't have normally maybe have found on a flat terrain, right? Training the body to run faster on less effort, which is great. Feels easier. It's a good season in life. A good season in training. I've seen people racing Revels this spring, and the, the conversation around that is effort because that pace is going to come in way faster than what we were training. But the effort should be the same, right? And not getting in your head too much about what you're seeing on your watch. And maybe it's not even looking at the watch because the pace is just so drastically different. Um, it's a good place to be. You feel good on the downhill. Feel strong. Feel capable. You're probably smiling a little bit. If it doesn't feel good, <laughs> that is a tough day, and I've been there. I'm laughing because I've been there. <laughs> Running hills can create a stronger body, stronger leg, more powerful on all the things. You, I think it's a very accomplishing style to running. I always feel accomplished after I run a hill repeat workout or a hill circuit. I had a hill circuit in CIM. It was so wild. It was like that hill I was talking about in South Boulder. It was like hard 90 seconds up, jogging recovery, jog down this like dirt path to a lake path. And then I got to sprint at like 5K effort to the start of the hill and repeat. No break. It was a circuit. So I, I got to do it six times. And it was so cool. It was also very hard. And I felt so accomplished when I was finished. I was like, that was so great. I feel so good about myself in a different way than like going out for an easy run, right? And I think maybe some of that's because I have a harder time with hills. It's something I don't necessarily like. I'm not, I shouldn't say that I'm not a strong hill runner. I prefer flat and fast, right? Now my marathons in 2023 have not suggested that. <laughs> But I am done with rolling hills or hilly races or downhill races. I only want to race flat and fast forever, forever until I'm finished racing. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think once I'm like done in that like competitive, let's see how fast I can get. I can be competitive with myself, not competitive with anyone else, not competitive with like age groups or anything like that. I race because I just want to see how, how good do I feel running faster? I love that. That is my why. Like that just, oh, I love it. That's why I'm racing Cherry Blossom. How much faster can I get 
from Indy running three mile, le- running less than, right? Three miles less than Indy on what could be a faster course after coming off of a big cycle and then training hard again. What can I do? I love that. Woo. I love it. Should have thought about that on my 10 mile run today. <laughs> right? So if you find yourself in this place of where running hills is foreign to you, it's something you don't like, it's something you avoid, I get you. I see you. I think most of us can feel this way. And then obviously if you have some trail runner in you and you really like hills or you feel like you don't notice the difference in how your body feels running up a hill, ah, congratulations. You're amazing. You should run all the hilly races and all the rolling like net downhills, rolling races out there. And I'm going to continue to run the flat races (laughs) until that side of me is complete, right? So let's get this, let's go into the life side of all of this, right? So how you show up in training is how you show up on race day. How you show up in training is how you show up in life, right? How you do one thing is how you do everything whether you want to admit that or not. There's going to be some glimmer of that in every aspect of your life, right? So when it comes to life, do you, and you could think about this in terms of like when you take a hill, whatever, whatever's going to fill your cup. Like how do you take it? right? When something gets uncomfortable in life, something gets uncomfortable in the season that you're in, do you just stop, right? Do you avoid the hill? Do you slow down? Do you take your own detour around the hills? Do you power up the hills smooth and confident? Do you run out of gas halfway through? Do you walk? Do they annoy you? Do you get in your head about the hill before running the hill? You might have heard me like, smile or chuckle a little bit as I was saying some of these because it's me. I thought about how do I show up when I take a hill and then all the other ways that I've seen it before, right? Most of these ways are your way of running up a hill and also working through a tough season in life, right? So how do you think about hill running? How does it translate to your life? And take a step back to think about it. And that's where it comes in about listening to this episode and maybe taking time to think about it and then re-listening and listening to it again and thinking about it in a different, maybe it's a different way or it's in a clarifying way, right? So how do you actually run the hill? Getting outside of your comfort zone, which could be hill running, right, is one of the best ways to grow as a human. Hands down. It is one of the most uncomfortable situations to be in. I have put myself in this position before and the universe has put me in this position before. I think we can all agree that life has thrown us some curveballs, right? That maybe things that we haven't wanted to have happened, um, unexpected things. It could be in anything in life, right? The right decision is usually the hardest one to make, right? So when we're in that tough season, the right decision is the hardest one to make. 
So what does that mean, right? The right decision on, it's not really right or wrong, but like the decision that's going to provide the most growth is probably the hardest one to make because it's pretty darn easy to avoid that hell. It is pretty darn easy to detour around that hell. And that's where I fall. If I don't have to run hills, I don't. In my intake form with my current coach, that was the part that I said, it's the hardest thing for me is hills and speed. We've kind of worked through speed. We haven't really worked through the hills. <laughs> and I'm okay with it because I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I love running fast. I love running consistent. I love being efficient with my time. I love getting to the next thing quickly. How I show up in my hill training is how I show up in life. I'm the exact same way in life. I want to get somewhere fast. I want to be efficient. I don't want it to be uncomfortable. I just want to get there and make it happen and feel good in the process, which flat running does for me. Isn't that interesting? So interesting, right? So this could be in life. It could be relationships. It could be job changes, career changes. It could be putting yourself out there. It could be sending the email, right? Allie on the run talked about that a few weeks ago. I think it was right before the trials on that episode. Send the email. See what happens, right? Could be with your children or with your pets or Maybe saying no for your own self-care or saying no in a way that you know is like only going to help create more space for the yeses in your life. Have the conversation, right? When these things happen in life, these hard times, these stressful times, these unexpected times, things need to shift and pivot. It's really important to kind of know where you are in it, how you're feeling in it, and having the conversation with the people that you need to have the conversation with to move forward, to be as strong, as smooth, and as consistent on that hill as you can be, right? The more you put yourself out there too in life, right? So the more that you're engaging with people, the more that you're on other platforms, the more that you're speaking your truth, the more re rejection you'll feel from the human race. This is true, right? Because if you stay inside your little container, if you're watching this on Spotify, you see my container, it kind of looks like a heart, but you know. If you stay in your little container, people-pleasing, it's probably in this place of not feeling that rejection, not feeling any sort of anxiety, right? Probably life is a little more neutral, which isn't a bad thing. I was in this place for years. But are you truly happy? Are you happy doing that, right? So I worked in corporate America for a long time, 14 years. And it was a very big people-pleasing era for me. <laughs> you know, I went to school, um, and my dad was really vocal on, what, like, what he wanted me to do. 
that was kind of my entire life, just listening to people tell me what to do. And I did it. And I am a rule follower. I still am to this day. Um, and you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it. I'm going to follow through. That's me. But after a certain point, it just got to a place where I just couldn't take it anymore, right? It's 2019. There was just a lot of pressure, a lot of unhappiness, a lot of uh, not feeling valued or wanted. It was just a lot of, ugh. How many of us can re relate to that in our life right now? Maybe it's the career you chose. Maybe it's the type of people you're surrounding yourself with. Maybe there's something going on inside of your family like that, right? So I created my own hill. And I quit my job. And I told myself, you get to take the summer off. And you get to do whatever you want to do. And then you'll figure out what you want to do with your life. And then... In the fall, everything will be great. <laughs> so it didn't really work out that way. <laughs> I took the summer off and I did absolutely everything I wanted to do, which was amazing. But one, the summer went by way too fast. And when fall rolled around, I did actually have a job lined up, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. But I felt like I needed to take it because I really needed to make money too, right? And like, I was on my own. I'm still on my own, right? Like providing for myself, providing for Kenzie. So I really needed to, what I felt like needed to do this, right? But it wasn't really what I wanted to do. And it really took more uncomfortable conversations, more like hill creations, to figure out, oh, I could turn my run camp idea into coaching. And what does that look like, right? And it definitely reached a false summer or two on this hill. I'm actually still on this hill <laughs> since launching Elevate, which was in the beginning of the pandemic, which is just wild in, its, in of itself. But I also didn't have a job. And it was like, you got to be all in, right? You get to be all in. And something that happened to me, it was the winter of 2021. I was in this program. And one of the first questions that they asked, it was all over Zoom because we were still very heavy into the pandemic. What do you want? And they didn't say it like that. We each got a turn and it was very high pressure what do you want? And they just repeated it over and over and over again. And whatever spilled out was what we used kind of in that program, which is really, really cool. So if you are struggling with like where you are in life or what you want to do, I would sit down and maybe have some friends like get in your face a little bit and be like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Right? I'd be happy to send you an audio note. You could do it yourself, right? And it's wild. When you feel that pressure, it just all comes out. You can't really like not know at that point. It's probably something subconsciously in you that you don't know quite yet. And then it just tumbles out, right? The hill is always going to be there 
to climb at a pace and a cadence that works for you for the season that you're in and where you want to go, right? So I was climbing that hill real fast in 2020 and 2021 and 2022. And then I got really tired of climbing the hill really fast. And now I'm on my own cadence of like, I'm at a good place. I can take this a little bit slower. I can take time to think about how I want to grow, how I want to expand, how I want to transform and shift as a human and as a coach. And what does that look like? How can I help more people? Because in that session, that was what came out of my mouth. So I just want to help people. And I love running. How cool is that? Right? If you avoid the hill, it can be a lot easier to tackle, right? So hills annoy me. <laughs> they really do. And I live in Boulder. I look, I, my home has a view of the mountains, and it's incredible, and it's awesome. And to run up a hill absolutely annoys me. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I feel weak. I feel like my pace slows down. And to me, it's like, I'm not efficient. I'm not getting the most out of this. This is hard, right? But it's something I get to do. The beauty in life and the hill running can be found in like slowing down, looking around, enjoying what's around you, right? Taking time to disconnect in life slowing down, finding a smoother cadence in life, leaving unread messages until it's a better time to thoughtfully respond, get back to people when there's a better time to respond, connect with people in person, being present with them in person, right? It's huge. Where are your hills? Where are your hills? The hills that you have maybe put in your life, like I put quitting a job and want, didn't really want to go back into that industry at all because it was boring. And for anyone who works in finance, I'm so sorry. But that is my experience. And I know some people love it. Like I love running. And those people might not like running, right? But where's your hill? Do you avoid the hill? Do you take the detour? Do you crash and burn up the hill? Do you take people with you? It's a cool way to look at it, right? Has the universe added hills to your life to throw you off a little bit, throwing a big curveball in there to see how you handle it? In my experience, you continue to keep like seeing that same hill until you run up the hill the way uh, the universe wants you to run up that hill, knowing that you've learned those lessons, right? You've learned how to be a stronger human, a stronger athlete. Otherwise, those lessons, I tell you, everyone, those lessons keep coming up, keep coming up. Keeps happening for me. It's wild, but it keeps happening for you too. The same situation over and over and over again, but in different people. It's wild. Something completely unexpected could just like, boop, 
pop right in there, right? It's how you handle it. It's how you flow through it. It's how you feel it. It's how you take the approach to get through the hill because we all know that once you have that stress of a life hill and you learn your lesson and you're on that downhill, man, it's a great season to be in. Oh, that just feels so good. Your legs are turning over. Your cadence is high. The pace feels easier than you're running. That's so nice, isn't it? Take that friend, right? Take a spouse. Take a significant other. Take a child to run that hill with you. <laughs> Don't take the hill too hard with the child. But, you know, take someone with you, not just in the literal, like, actual hill that you're running, but with the hill in life. Stride for stride, right? Together, side by side. That's what it's all about, right? Sometimes it's nice to chase someone up a hill, but, you know, or be chased up a hill. Being in a group setting, I had a really strong hill block for my Denver team um, at the start of the season, and it was great. They all got to run hill repeats together. The hill repeats got a little out of control because the hill wasn't as long as I wanted it to be. I guess these athletes have just gotten faster, so we had to, like, add on more, and it just felt like they were just, like, running the hill, like, over and over and over again, but they got to do it together. So in one section, maybe when you weren't feeling as strong, the person next to you was feeling strong, so you got to use and leverage their energy to help you get up the hill. And that only works if you can give that energy back in return when they need it, right? It doesn't work if one person's doing all the work. But it really does help when you can lean on each other and help each other up that hill. So how do you flow up a hill in life, right? I think we all have some type of hill in our life. I definitely am still on my Elevate Hill, <laughs> which is now a mountain <laughs> with false summits, which is fine. And the universe has definitely thrown in some other hills outside of Elevate that I'm working on not avoiding <laughs> and facing it for what it is. So if you have something in your life, whether it's one hill or several hills, you're not alone. We're all human. We all go through this. And I think going back to that point of like, if you don't have a hill at all, you might be living in this place where I was living for most of my life until 2019, where I people pleased everyone. Didn't want to make any waves or ruffles. I just wanted to be the wallflower. Wanted to make everyone happy. But I wasn't happy, right? So take the time to see what you need to see. And be brutally honest with yourself of like, what's happening? How many hills do I really have in life? What are things that are just annoyances, but that I, you know, am grateful for? right? Journal your feelings. I'm a big believer in journaling. <laughs> your thoughts around it, it really does help. And you can talk to a therapist. You can talk to 
you know, a mental strength coach. You can talk to friends. You can talk to your running coach. But there's something so powerful about journaling your feelings. After I ran CIM, my coach had texted throughout the race. Like, I had my phone with me, but, like, she also knows I don't have my phone with me. So that was kind of interesting. But she was like, you know, the first few texts were like, oh, my God, you're absolutely, you're doing it. This is everything that we talked about. You're doing it. And then it was like, oh, (laughs) what a tough day, right? And my immediate response to her was like, I'm okay. Like, I'm not hurt. I'm fine. It was really hot. And she was like, okay, so let's journal about this. I need you to journal about this because this is a big thing that just happened. And you might not see it now, but you will feel it later. And so writing down everything is going to help. And it has helped to some extent, right? I got to flip into coach mode for a while. So my hill with CIM was deflecting because I got to focus in on all the other athletes running and whether they had a strong race or not so strong race and, you know, connecting with people and it's wild when you like don't crush a marathon, at least in my experience, the people in my circle, crickets on the text messaging, (laughs) crickets, right? People don't know what to say, but gosh, when you crush that race, um, I remember like after, yeah, just like crushing Chicago or whatever, Indy, it's like dozens and dozens. And I'm not exaggerating. I had over 50 text messages after finishing Indy and at CIM, I had under 10. It's like my coach, my both of my parents, my sister, teammates, and that was about it, you know? Um, my friends outside of running just kind of like, you know, tune it out, which is fine. So journal about it. It really will help. You might feel uncomfortable, right? But sometimes being alone and sitting in that uncomfortable space is a great place to be. You can enroll the help of a specialist, like I talked about. You can create a list of solutions and things that will work to get over that hill, feeling confident, feeling strong, feeling happy, feeling joyful, or maybe just getting over the hill is the win, right? How many of us have something in our life where we're just like, we just need to get over that hill? I don't care how I do it. I don't care what it's going to take. I just need to get over that hill. And then I can cruise on that downhill and it's going to feel so good right? And then create maybe another list of, after you create a list of solutions, another sub list of things that you can do to take action on that hill. So if it's something where maybe you're stuck in life, you're stuck in a career, you're unable to like grow as a human, doing one thing five minutes a day is going to build the momentum that you need to get up the hill and then crest the downhill beautifully like we talked about. When I started Elevate, this was like late fall 2020. So I didn't start it. I guess it was kind of in its own way, the beginning. I needed to put a website together. I needed to figure out my coaching packages. There was a whole lot of work that needed to be done. And I wasn't doing it. And this program that I went into, my coach, so we had coaches in this program, He was like, you know, why aren't you doing it? And I'm like, well, I don't have time. But I wasn't working. (laughs) Like, I was working. I was working, like, 10 hours a week doing some consulting work for a fabulous firm in D.C. 
but I didn't have time because I was getting in my own way, right? So he suggested I break out everything that I get to do to build Elevate and each day spend 30 minutes on it. And that's it. No more, no less, until I'm ready to spend more time on it, right? And I think what was the hang-up for me was like putting all this time and energy into something and it not working, right? Or people not responding to it. Or we still weren't racing, so why is this going to work? This is a stupid idea. Like all these things, right, that come up. And that could be a place of reflection for you of like what's coming up why aren't you doing the thing that you want to do or that you say you want to do? What's coming up for you? Journaling, creating the list, enrolling the help of specialists will all help. I promise. And just like with everything, your destination to get to where you're going might include a detour, but not a round-the-hill detour, but just a detour. It could have more hills than someone else. It could have fewer hills. It could have steeper hills. You could be cruising on some flat terrain for quite a while, and then all of a sudden it's hill, 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 right? But if you can build on the momentum, you can build on all the tools that you have to get up that hill and really pressing on the downhill, leaning into that momentum, you're taking that step forward, whether it's a big step or a small step, it will help you get up and through that hill in a way that supports you building that momentum to really crest that hill for the reward of the downhill. But then you look up and you see the next hill coming. Or maybe you don't, maybe it just slams you right in the face. <laughs> We've all been there. Maybe not all of us, but I think at one point our life will be there. So how do you prepare for that hill now? Now that you've been through it, now that you have the tools, now that you know how to do this, how do you prepare now for that next hill? How do you take the hill? That's this week's episode. I hope you loved it. I hope you're scratching your head a little bit. I hope you're full of questions. I'd love to hear from you. Um, if you want to send a DM over Instagram at Elevate Your Running, my inbox email is Sarah, S-A-R-A, at ElevateYourRunning.com. Happy to chat with you about this. Um, would love to hear your elevated moments. Would love to hear how you take a hill. Would love to hear how you kind of crest that downhill and maybe things that you put in your place to be a hill so you can become a stronger, happier, faster athlete, human, right? Because that stress, I didn't say this enough, that stress of the growth creates and pays dividends later on in life. Really, really does. Thank you so much for listening this week. Rate, subscribe, comment, leave a review where you can on Spotify, Apple, your, your podcast listening platform. I so appreciate you for listening. Thank you so much. And I will see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. There are a myriad of ways for you to help support the Elevate Your Running podcast. We release new episodes every Thursday morning. Don't miss an episode. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and listen to the latest episodes as they become available.
But don't forget, you can share your favorite episodes on social media. Tag at Elevate Your Running and we'll be sure to reshare your post. Rate and review through your favorite podcast channel, either through Spotify or Apple. And lastly, you can be part of our monthly subscribership where a small monthly donation will help Austin and I elevate this podcast and take it to new new levels in the coming year. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next week.